we are going to finish up first thessalonians today we're taking the bible the new testament rather written in the order or in the order in which it's written in how's that starting alive this is live so you're going to have all of these errors built right into it uh, in the the books of the new testament in the order they were written not necessarily in the order that history occurred okay so first thessalonians we were in chapter five we should finish this up rather uh, briskly and then move to galatians uh, doing galatians and then we will be moving back to second thessalonians most likely there were a few books written at almost exactly the same time so we'll see how that plays out all right First Thessalonians, and by the way, gotta say, um, we're doing well at OurSafeHarbor.com. You guys are giving through Tithely, PayPal, and also to our post office box, um, which is 112 Spring Hill, Tennessee, uh, 37174. You're, you're giving so much that we're able to keep this going and actually buy a little bit of equipment to make it sound better and we'll probably be able to start a podcast here fairly soon. So thank you. Wow. All right. Back to the Bible. <clears throat> now, brothers and sisters, 1 Thessalonians 5. About times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let's not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Now, <clears throat> what's going on here? There are several things in Scripture referred to as the coming of God or the day of the Lord. It's all through the Old Testament, and you find it in the New Testament as well, meaning not the end of the world, but judgment. And so the, there's a day of the Lord that comes upon Israel, and they're taken into Babylonian captivity. There's a day of the Lord that comes upon Jerusalem, and the Roman armies move against it in 70 AD. These days of the Lord don't necessarily mean the end of time, but they can, and that makes it a bit confusing because the people back in that time to whom these books were written, they got it. But for us, we look at it and go, huh, so what should be our response? I, I really believe our response should be that, that the old time preachers told us it should be. You know, I sometimes criticize the old time preachers, but let's not pretend that they weren't right an awful lot of the time as well. I mean, we're not cartoons. We all make errors, but we also don't make errors, all right? And they would, oh, they'd, they'd terrify us. They'd say, uh, you know, the day of the Lord could come at any minute. This heavens will split open. And uh, sometimes, especially if there was a thunderstorm going when the preacher was preaching, oh, that worked in well. Because we would be big thunder and we all, you know, kind of jerk and look at each other. They say the next thunderclap could be when Jesus comes back. All true. And it terrified us which I wish it hadn't, but it did. You know, your little boy is sitting there going, oh dear. But that said, <clears throat> it's always handy to keep in the back of your mind, today could be the end of the world. It could also be the end of me. I, I take that so seriously. If I'm off doing a teaching assignment 
and I speak to, you know, whether it's uh, law enforcement, which is a, a big hunk of what I do now, or whether it's to a church or, or whatever it is, and they hand me a check. I actually do mobile deposit before I leave the building because what happened? Today could be the end of me. I could crash and die, the money's in the bank. And some of you are thinking, oh, that's very morbid. No, it isn't. If you live your life understanding that all of the good and all of the bad, all of this could end, it sharpens your experience of the day. And so it's not, oh, we're having chicken again. It's, this might be the last meal I get with my wife. I should really appreciate this meal and appreciate her and make sure she knows that. And so living as knowing that you are going to end and our system, our culture is going to end and one day the world is going to end, whether that's in a transformation and it's turned into a new earth and heaven's here, as many believe, or if heaven's offsite, as many believe. <clears throat> I'm still kind of in the offsite crowd, but I, I don't pretend that those who believe in a renewed earth don't have evidence. I'm, I'm just gonna let God do what he does, all right? Fair enough. He's God, I'm not, got that sorted. <clears throat> it would be good for us to keep that in mind. The rest of the world doesn't. The rest of the world's walking around just, they're in condition white, as Colonel Jeff Cooper would have called it, where they're not, they're looking at their phones or they're, they're just not paying attention. And therefore, we have everything from traffic accidents, but we also have lives that weren't lived. Think about it. Had you known day one of the lockdown last year, how long this was going to be, what languages would you have learned? What instruments would you have learned how to play? What books would you have read? But we didn't know, and therefore people put it all off. I mean, if you'd started exercising at the house, well, if I'd started exercising, you would have been, you know, quite the buff monster about this stage. But we didn't know. So Paul is telling them, no, keep your eyes open. This could be the last day, so we don't act as if Whatever we do today, well, we'll just repent about that on Sunday. No, let's behave, be sharp, be intentional. So <clears throat> what are the others like? Oh, Paul will tell you. Verse seven, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now that's interesting. <clears throat> What's going on here? He's saying that let's, let's understand that everything we do is in the light. We live an open life. I mean, my, the, what I have said and done is online somewhere or it's on a CD or believe it or not, even cassettes all the way since what? The, the late 1980s. And living your life out loud like that gets you a lot of criticism, especially when you change your mind about something or when you make an error, which I've, uh, of which I've made many, uh, and it'll, it'll get to you. But I want to live my life out loud because I feel like that's more human and more honest than swooping in to teach your class in a nice suit and such and then swooping off stage somewhere. I, I think we, we need less swooping. 
That's that's a rule. That's that's my family motto. Um, no, we don't have a family motto. Um, in fact, it just says fill in blank here. Uh, but we belong to the day. So d let's be sober. Don't do things in the dark, thinking it's not going to be seen. I was a boy, and I, I would say, how come every time we go by a bar, it's always so dark? And my dad and mom would say, well, that's because people go in there and they don't want people to see and know what they're doing. There is some of that. But the bar scene, the, um, the club scene, it, you generally go to be seen now. But God is just saying, just be aware, all of this is being seen by God. So live like you're in the light. And then what do you do about those sinners? You should rail against them. Get a box, stand outside the, the bar or the club and scream insults at no. You put on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as your helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. In other words, Paul here isn't even condemning those that are asleep and in the dark. He's saying, listen, he died for us. So whether we do what we're supposed to do or don't, Jesus has enough grace for us. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. Uh, which you always love to hear when he says, you know, I want you to do this, but you're already doing it. Isn't that cool? Now, the, there are going to be some people that are going to take issue with Paul here. They think, they think they're taking issue with me. Whenever I say whether they're drunken in the dark or whether they're sober and in the day, God's grace is enough for them. Paul said it. I didn't. I doubt that I would have phrased it this way. But he did by inspiration of the Spirit, I, I believe. Uh, so what am I saying then? Well, and if that's true, then what's the point of living righteous lives? Seriously? Seriously. I still love the girl I married over 41 years ago. We've never had to worry about adultery, the breakup of our marriage. Um, we've not had to worry about domestic violence in our home. Of course, we, we fight it outside, but in our home, we're not, we're not afraid. Um, we're not afraid of sexually transmitted diseases. We live a life and there are benefits, huge benefits. I'm not gonna run across somebody in the grocery uh, and look up and, oh, that's a person I had an affair with five years ago. I don't have those time bombs in my life. And please, 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 I'm not saying look at me, the righteous guy. I think if you have ever heard me or been around me, you know that I'm very, very upfront about the fact that I'm not nearly as good a person as I'd like to be, that I have tremendous faults and failures in my life. Uh, currently, you know, inside, I'm not nearly as good a Christian as I am outside, and I, I wish I could fix that. But there are so many benefits to living a righteous life. I had lunch Sunday with, I hadn't count, probably 20 people. Not a single one of those people would I have known without Jesus. But we come from all over the planet, and we're friends and we love each other and we smile when we see each other. There are benefits to doing what God told you to do, even outside of salvation at the end, all right? 
Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. This is not self-serving. At least I hope it's not. I'm not asking you to, uh, to hurt yourself financially and to support me. That's not what we're doing here. If you're being led and fed and you're able, great, fine. But we've also made it very plain that if you have a local church that is leading and feeding you, just add us to them, but don't send us your dollars. They need them, most likely. If there are local charities that you're giving to, don't stop giving to those. All of that said, the people who lead you spiritually, you're going to need to help. And it can be financially, but it can also be that you're on their side and you help them, even if they fall. Scripture says, hurry to restore such a one to their position. But you help them because it's hard to believe. But if you put stuff like this on the internet, there are negative consequences. Yeah, we get the emails. We get the anger. Uh, sometimes we even get the handwritten emails that go on to 16 and 20 pages. And some, uh, well, not some, quite a few of us ministers have actually um, received a whole notebook, handwritten, and then they, they photocopy it. I mean, it's, it's massive. We get it. We do. The benefits far outweigh that. The encouraging messages far outweigh that. But he just says, listen, support the ones who lead you and support you. And I think we do the same with our first responders, with our teachers, with people who help us get to a better place in life or who protect us, honor them, take care of them, live in peace with each other. And we urge you brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, disruptive, and encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Notice what's not here. A scream to get even, a scream for the justice of the streets. Now, I was very hesitant to even say this because I believe that we should fight for justice. Justice for different displaced people, justice for people who've been disadvantaged. Um, I believe that we should fight for justice for those that have been abused, those who have, who have been harmed. Yeah, I do. But in our personal everyday life, while we can support larger movements toward peace, love, and justice, as individuals, when somebody throws a brick through our window, we don't throw it back. When someone harms us, we don't harm them back. Nor do we call for them to be harmed by others on our behalf. We take the blow just as Jesus took the blow we say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and we move forward. And again, that may not be the most popular thing to say right now, and I get that, and I get that. And my balance on this could be wrong. But I've always told you, I'm going to tell you where I am at the moment, all right? Um, and believe it, I, I get a lot of criticism from the right. I get just as much from the left. It seems that no matter where you are, you're going to be flanked in this world. So I would just say, choose a path. Choose a path that seems to be following this. Because it's like bullet points. Rejoice always, pray continually, 
give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Now, I do want to talk about that last bit. And I, I, you were supposed to read ahead, so I'm assuming you've already got this in your head. These bullet points are really rules for life all the time, everywhere. Pray continually doesn't mean that you have to always be praying. You can take breaks. But what it means is prayer is a part of your life. It's just going to be not something you have to do, but something you do as you progress through the day. But that big one, that give thanks in all circumstances. I've had preachers, I've listened to them saying, when, when you're suffering, thank God that you're suffering. Whenever you're poor, thank God you lost your job. But whatever, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, give thanks because God did all of this and caused all of these issues. No, no. He's saying, no matter what's going on, give thanks to God for all the good he's done for you and for that salvation. You remember just a few verses ahead of that. Uh, give, remember that we win. Uh, and it's like, we win, you lose. No, we, we want everybody to win. Remember that God loves you. You don't have to thank him for the pain, okay? Do not quench the spirit. I've had people say, well, what does that mean? God's trying to make us more like Jesus Christ. The world's trying to make us more like the world. Listen to God. Try not to be as like the world. Your, your parents were right. If everybody else is doing it, that's a good sign maybe you shouldn't be. Have a look. Could be it's completely innocent. All right, fair enough. But have a look first. Let's listen to God. What does God want in this circumstance? And don't use God as a whip to beat others up. This is you talking to yourself. What does God want for me? What does God, how can I be more God-like? How can I show the spirit in what I'm about to do? Now, our new sermon series on Sundays, uh, you can listen to it on the same channel by either going to our website or you can go to our Safe Harbor Church on YouTube, either way, whichever one you're watching through. We're doing a new series. The second one will be this Sunday, Tending the Garden of God. And we're going to, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. How can we show that we believe what we say we believe? Uh, what, how do we pull the weeds and grow the right things? Hope I see you there. It's 9.30 uh, Central Time uh, every Sunday morning. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. As President Reagan was famous for saying, trust but verify. I have people that will come and tell me that they have a word from God. I don't go, no, I listen. Then I test it. Is this something which goes with scripture? Does it sound like Jesus? Does it act like Jesus? Does it move me toward being more like Jesus? Does it cause disruption, harm? Does it elevate others to the cost of these? We have to test it. Hold on to what is good. This is the same guy, by the way, that says rightly divide the word of truth. He doesn't just say, read it all, believe it, and apply it. He goes, no, no way yet. Some of this might not be for you. The instructions of building an ark were not given to me, so I didn't build an ark. Some things in the Bible aren't given to you, but to the people to whom they were given. So let's sort things. And my sorting may be different than yours, and there's where the grace and live at peace with each other comes into play. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, 
pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. Well, that one, right, there's a command not exercised. Why? Because we understand it was a cultural command, that it was given as a general way of greeting people back in that day and in that culture, but we don't have to do it that way today. Wouldn't it be nice if we looked at the context of all the other verses as well? Hmm. And by the way, I'm quite good with not greeting everybody with the holy kiss. Um, I, there were preachers back in the day that would tell me, well, kiss back then meant any touch. And so a handshake is, a, no, it isn't. Judas didn't identify Jesus with a fist bump. Let's just be honest and say that some things in scripture weren't written to us. They were written for us, but not to us. All right, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What a book. And chapter five has all those bullet points. I would challenge you to write down the bullet points and put them up somewhere to where you have to read them for at least 28 days because your brain takes about three to five weeks to actually let something become automatic and natural to you. Uh, it varies obviously according to your brain and according to what else is going on, distractions and to the subject being studied. But give this a four week goal of putting those bullet points somewhere, maybe even on the kitchen refrigerator or on the oven or something to where once a day, you're gonna look at this and read it out loud. Out loud is really good. If you're in a family situation, I mean, I know I get audio text and those are the last ones I pay attention to. And I, I pay attention to them, but it might be hours because I'm around people. And, you know, I don't, I, I, I need not to be listening or having a text booming out of a phone, right? But you put this somewhere where you can read it aloud or if you can't read it silently, once a day for four weeks, see what happens. I'm gonna go to Galatians now. Some of you are relatives of the Galatians. There are um, six Celtic nations, and sometimes people say seven Celtic nations, and in fact, that's becoming more and more popular to say seven. Celtic nations are um, nations that actually sprang from the Gauls. At this time in history, when Paul wrote Galatians, they were a major force in Asia Minor, what we would today call Turkey, but also all the way up through Georgia, the Soviet Union's old Georgia, now independent country, uh, all the way, and then eventually they're gonna move and take over a portion of Spain. They're gonna be all over France and Germany and uh, Austria and up through Belgium and the like. And eventually they're shoved to the edges by more powerful tribes that have more, um, um, more organized and better war, basically. They're able to push them out to the edges. And so the Celts and, or the Gauls kept being shoved to the edges. The six, and let me see if I can do this, the um, Celtic nations that are universally recognized as Celtic, uh, and to be that way, you had to have at one time had your own specific language for your people. And so it's Scotland, which had Gaelic, you have Welsh, which has Welsh, and another form of the Gaelic, uh, Irish, Ireland, and, and they have Irish. And then you had uh, Manx, the Isle of Man, you had Cornu for Cornwall, it was also a Celtic nation, and Brittany had Breton and Occitan. They had their own language as well, and they were a Celtic people. The seventh, which many people argue for, um, and, and I'm fine with it, is Galicia, which is a portion of Spain, and they do refer to themselves as, as Gauls or Celts. 
the only thing they don't have is that they, they never had a specific language that was all their own. Uh, but to me, that's, that's rather arbitrary. So the seven Celtic nations all came from the Gauls and they were a wilder people, a noisier people. Uh, they drank more, they moved about more and they were louder than the, the Jewish people and a lot of the Roman civilized people around them. So Paul writes them this letter. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Go stop. What's he doing? He's setting it up, saying, I'm speaking for God. I'm speaking for the church, the gathered people of God. That's going to get people's attention. Here comes a message from God and from all of those who believe in God. And that's quite a big thing for Paul to say, but it, to me, it indicated he had the right to say it. Grace and peace to you. Oh, good, because <laughs> here's a message from God and the entire church. Hey, we hope you're happy. That's what you want to hear. Not we hope you're happy. No, it's a good thing. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Again, that salvation for all to rescue us from this present age according, and, and that means our culture, pull us out of our culture. Although this book is not First Thessalonians, we are pulled out of the culture to be a different culture within the culture. Uh, according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Now comes the bad news. I, I am astonished, Paul says, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Whoa, 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 what's happening here? Paul will explain. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if even we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That's pretty serious. In the older versions, it would say anathema because that Greek word was so hard to translate. And so the NIV says under God's curse. And Paul phrases it two different ways so that, so that um, the Galatians and, and, and we will hear both ways. If any person teaches you a different gospel, let them be under God's curse. If we or an angel from heaven, if something looks like it's coming from God, doesn't necessarily mean it is coming from God. Second Corinthians talks about the devil can make himself look like an angel of light. So be very, very, very careful, Paul says. Even if it's a vision, even if it's a vision in the night of an angel, if they are telling you anything other than what we told you, let them be under God's curse. Now, here's where preachers, when I was growing up, were saying, if anything is newer than the Bible, it's too new. If it's older than the Bible, it's too old. If it's other than the Bible, we don't need it. This is a call to stay within the Bible. Well, there's a real problem with that statement. By the time Paul wrote this, He'd only written one book, and there weren't the other books written yet. The Gospels will be written later, They're, and, and not a lot later. 
please, I'm not going there. But later, it's a matter of years, not a many, matter of many decades. Paul's early in. So he's not saying, you'd better believe all 66 books or you're lost. I love our 66 books, don't get me wrong, please do not. I don't subtext. When I say something, there's not something hidden under the water, all right? So don't look for anything. It's, women spend more time wondering what men are thinking than men spend thinking. So just, it's on the table, all right? So what's he talking about? Jesus Christ is the son of God. He came to earth. He suffered and died for our sins. He was raised the third day. He ascended into heaven and intercedes for us before the throne of God. That's the gospel. Don't add to it. Don't mess it up. what we do? We added to it. This little ship of faith ended up with so many barnacles on it. It was a big wad of barnacles. And people have a hard time getting back to the, the truth. That's what we're doing on the Monday morning with the who told you that. We're, we're, and it's not like we're the only people doing it, but we're trying to search back to, all right, what does simple faith look like? By the way, N.T. Wright has a great little book called Simple Christianity, I think, you know, Simple Christianity. Um, what's he, this, this is dangerous now. Don't you dare go out beyond this. Now, how can we do that? I, well, I can say, you know something? <clears throat> if you don't organize your church in a particular way, all of this is of no good to you. Really? What have I just done? Not only have I added to it, I've thrown away the gospel by saying, you can get this, but only if you're perfect in these things. Only if you're perfect in your worship. Only if you're perfect in when, where, and how you worship. Only if you're perfect in all of these doctrines. Only if you believe all of these things, then Jesus's death, burial, resurrection will be of effect for you. Otherwise, might as well never happen. Do you now see why this is dead serious? Why we have got to strip the church back to this. I'm proud of our safe harbor, we do that. I, have I worship with people every Sunday who disagree with me on almost all of this but we're in fellowship over this. And this is what we talk about. What a wonderful world it would be. He goes, am I, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. I love that, checking the times, 30 minutes. So I gotta quit here pretty soon. Please read ahead, because um, Galatians pretty rough book. Now, not in, you know, in the English language, they, they smoothed over a couple places that we will, we're, we're gonna not smooth over, all right? But read all of Galatians one and two, would you please for next Wednesday? That would be a big favor for me and we'll move rapidly through that because there are some things in here that will help us get the barnacles off. But this last one, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? I may have told this story before on, on a Wednesday night, but I'm, I'm hoping it didn't, very briefly. I was visiting from Scotland. My father was living down in Southern Ohio, right on the edge of Appalachia doing some work because he loved Appalachia all of his life. And he said, just came back from a lectureship at this particular school of preaching. And I knew it was a very, very hard for a right one and got all these VHS tapes. Uh, would you like to watch them? And I was going, no dad, not so much. And he's going, they're on the book of John. And that's my favorite book of the gospel. So I said, okay. 
John chapter one came, I mean, what, what a treasure house John one is with light and darkness and ignorance and the word of God, I'm just amazing. Well, the man never really got around to covering much of that, but we did, he did make sure everybody understood where he stood on instrumental music, opposed, where he stood on marriage and divorce and remarriage, opposed, and all of these other hot spots of the day in, in that particular religious tribe. It's very disappointing. Well, the next speaker got up to do John chapter two. Still a lot of good stuff there, never got a mention. After the third one, I asked dad to stop it. And he said, why? And I said, because John hasn't gotten words in yet. Because every one of those men are terrified that somebody will think they're not sound, which is a phrase used in that tribe, which means I track with all of our positions and I will not waver from all of the received faith I got, and I will keep it marching forward with all the rules intact. And I will hold to those rules with fervor and the doctrines and whatever. They were so busy trying to please people out of fear. We didn't get to hear much about Jesus. That's tragic. And my, I'm not attacking these men. My heart breaks for them. They're trapped. I was trapped too. No longer. Neither do you have to be trapped. Now, if you're trying to please Christ, there are going to be some times you don't please people and they're going to come after you. Okay. The thing about this world is people are going to come after you anyway, so you may as well let them come after you because you're just living a Christian life rather than come at you because you're a bad person. How's that? All right. Well, listen, I, I enjoyed you being with me. I do try to keep these to 30 to 35 minutes. Not always successful, but thank you. Thank you for those of you who give and those of you who don't. Thank you for those of you who watch our service on Sunday and share it widely. Thank you to those who don't. We are all headed toward our Lord, and that is good news. It is never a threat. Remember that. God bless you. I, I hope to see you soon.